Ryder Nation and William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. very special edition of the Pip, of the Piffles podcast. We have, of course, you know him very well, especially here in Saskatchewan, Mr. Richie Hall joining us. Richie, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. And yourself? Oh, we're doing great. Thank you very much. Good. Good. Thank, thanks for having me. Oh, our, our, the pleasure is all ours. Um, <laughs> Want to start off with, a, we'll, we'll talk a little football first. All righty. This 2020 season, Richie, are we, are we going to have one? You know, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, you, you got to be optimistic, you know, and uh, uh, you, you just don't know, you know, because I think everything starts with uh, powers to be that are higher than higher than ourselves, you know, so um, I'm, I'm hoping uh, I'm planning on uh, that we're going to get going here sometime later this summer and uh, get ready for the 2020 season. There, There is one advantage. The longer this goes on, the longer you and your team remain the the great cup champion so i mean there is there is that one bonus right yeah i guess if you look at it i guess if you look at it like that but at the same time you know that's 2019 you know and and, and 2020 is a new a new year a new opportunity but uh um you know at some point in time the next year is going to start up whenever that year is now a lot of people in saskatchewan don't know uh, you actually started your career with the calgary stampeders yes. Can, can you take us back to uh, May of 1988 uh, when you were traded to the Riders? <laughs> what was going through your mind? Uh, I don't know if you want to hear this, but I thought it was the, probably <laughs> the, the blackest day of my career, you know, um, just because I love Calgary, you know, and, and I guess the reality of, of professional sports came into effect to me personally, uh, being, being traded. You know, you had no say-so in it, and if you want to continue playing, that you go. I, I thought where we were at in Calgary – um, I thought we were at the brink of being uh, a great cup contender. And I thought Saskatchewan was still like one step behind us as far as that, that progress, because, you know, they still had gone, you know, what was it? 10 or 11 years without making the playoffs, you know, and then my first year here, um, the drought was ended, but uh, up until then they were, they were ascending like this, but I thought we were uh, a little, a little farther ahead just because we had lost the, previous two years in the, in the uh, Western semifinals. So uh, it was, you know, the reality of pro sports came into, a, uh, came into play, but um, you know, it's funny how your career uh, takes off or changes, you know, I mean, I looked at it as being a kind of a step back, but it's probably one of the best things that could have happened to me. No, you were traded for a first, uh, for, sorry, fourth round pick. Do you know who that, do you remember who that was? No, I just, you know, I just know that you, uh, I was traded, you know, and, uh, you know, my, matter of fact, myself and Vince Goldsmith and, uh, you know, who, the, who they, who they uh, traded me for, um, you know, I think in, in some regards, you know, I just didn't fit in their, their, their future plans, you know, whether they traded me or they were going to cut me, you know, so, but, you know, one man's misfortune at the same time, uh, it was also an opportunity, you know, someone, it was, it was nice to know that someone wanted me. Well, Richie, we did some digging. We actually found out what you were traded for. It was a fourth-round pick. They took 
a tackle, Brent Pollock from Fresno State. Does that name ring a bell at all? I want to say Pollock does ring a bell, you know, but <laughs> but I know not from an arrogance point, but I think I might have stayed around longer in the CFL than he had. A true story, 1991, he played three games with the Riders, and that's his entire career. Okay. Well, <laughs> well you know something? Then we played together then because I was still with the Riders. Like I said, the name sounds familiar, but I just couldn't tell. Uh, I, I didn't have any uh, details regarding it. But uh, it, was, uh, it was both our, both our last years then. If his was 91, <laughs> mine was my last year of playing was 91. Now you have you have four Grey Cups uh, on your on your resume. Yeah. Does any one particular Grey Cup stand out to you as a as a personal favorite? Well, I don't think anything ever replaces the first one. You know, just because you did it as a player, um, uh, the history regarding Saskatchewan. You know, just the way that we went about winning the Grey Cup. You know, we were a nine and nine team. You know, we beat every team that had a better record than us that year during the playoffs. You know, we beat a, a, a great Edmonton 16-2 and two team. Um, and just the way that we were a football team, a good football team. And, you know, for me, it was the first time I've been part of a championship team. So I don't think anything ever replaces the first one, you know, especially as a player. Uh, the, other th- the other three are very significant, but they have different meanings. Uh, but... Uh, <coughs> enjoyed every one you know I'm greedy try to get as many try to get as many as you can just because that's what you work for and and they, and they are hard to get it is hard to win and it's hard to win a championship so um you know the group of players that you have uh it's something special you know and uh every time I look at the ring uh any of the rings and I'm still waiting for the Winnipeg ring but anytime you look at the rings um I reminds me of my teammates and the journey that it took for us to, 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 to win the championship. Now, Richie, we've taught, had the pleasure of talking to a lot of guys from that 89 team here on the Pipples podcast. What can you tell us about that team that, you know, like a story from a road trip or something that maybe they don't want getting out, uh, you know, nothing, uh, nothing too personal, of course, but you know, there's always some shenanigans going on with that team. Uh, did you ever get involved in any of those? You know something that's so far, gosh, that's that's a long time ago. You know, you, you put me on the spot. Um, I, I guess, you know, just the one that you know, it's not so much that I think everyone knows about uh, that shows you know our team just because it was a. Uh, I thought we were a team. You know, we were veterans, but we also uh, like to have fun. And I think just, uh, uh, I guess, the day before the Grey Cup game, um, I think it was Glenn Suter's birthday. And uh, they tied him up and pulled his pants down to the uh, at the goalpost. That, that was Dave Ridgeway, you know. But just the whole way that we circled him up, taped him into the goalposts, poured water on him, and then left him. You know? So, so that was kind of that was kind of fun. But I mean, that that was our team. That was our team. It was uh, we had fun. You know, we we were a very close team. Uh, uh, but at the same time, when it was time to go to work, it was time to go to work. But when it's time to, to enjoy yourself and let your wings down and, and uh, have fun, uh, that's what we did. Looking at the 2013 Grey Cup, you were around Saskatchewan as a player and as a coach for seemingly a lifetime. How much winning that in front of the hometown did that mean to you? Oh, you know, I don't think – I think, you know, especially with the, you know, the – the last great cup that would have ever been at Mosaic Stadium there, um, Taylor Field. 
sorry, Taylor Field. Um, <laughs> you couldn't have wrote a, a Hollywood script any better than that. You know, uh, we start, especially the way that we started out, then we kind of hit some rocky points and then uh, was able to, to get it going in the second half of the season or the, the playoff run uh, in front of the fans. Uh, I thought it was pretty special. I think, you know, when, when, I, when, I, when I remember the Grey Cup uh, afterwards, seeing the celebration and seeing not the young kids, but older senior people still in the stands crying, you know, because I'm sure they never thought that they, in their lifetime, that they would ever see the Saskatchewan Rough Riders win the Great Cup there at home. And I think it was just an unbelievable feeling, just the emotion regarding, you know, it was a home game for us, you know, and, uh, you know, just, I remember standing out on the field beforehand during warmups, and then uh, all of a sudden you hear this roar of the crowd. And I think Hamilton knew that they were in trouble, you know, just because... <laughs> You know, the team was coming out there for warm-ups and just an un unbelievable emotional uh, feeling. So I, th I think that's something that it was special in 89 because it was the first one. You're at the Sky Dome, but this one at home, it just, it just hits your heart, you know. And, uh, you know, it really brings, I think, tears to your face, you know, just because of the enjoyment and just, hey, that's, that's our team. That's our team. That 2013 no. game, um, I mean, it was cold. It was minus 40 that entire week, and then it just it, – it was nice that, that game day. And I'll never forget I'll, – I'll remember it for the rest of my life when Durant got hit and the ball came up, and it was in the air for maybe half a second in real time, but it seemed like forever. Corey Sheets. And Corey Sheets took the ball and, and rumbled, <laughs> and I think that was the moment in it for Ryder fans, for myself especially, that – Things were going good for, you know, once in, in, <laughs> in Ryder history here. When did you know that, uh, that this was it, that you guys had that game? Well, I, I, think, I think, you know, the start of it, I think, you know, when I look at it, there's three significant things that popped to my mind. The warm-ups, you know, when the crowd roared, I think that Corey Sheets play, you know, all of a sudden it's like the football gods are looking at us. You know, think they're in favor. They're, they're cheering for us. And then we had a second and long, I think it was in the third quarter, we had a second and long situation, and Corey Sheets ran a draw play coming out. And whether we scored on that drive or not, you know, we go, that was it. We got them now. You know, because, you know, all of a sudden now they have us pinned down. We have to punt. They get good field position. You don't know what's going to happen. Because they had a little momentum going then. And then after uh, he made that run, that first down, that was like, okay, we got this now. Because now the momentum is switched. And once that momentum switched, we never let it go. You, you've actually got a book out, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, Life in the CFL with Richie Hall. What went into writing that book? Um, gosh, just, you know, a lot of reflecting regarding uh, the lessons that I've learned uh, through life, you know, uh, trying to put it all in between whatever amount of pages there is. You know, so many things that I've learned about sports learned about football. Um, and that's kind of what it, it, it tells a story. It's not a football book, but I think it's a book that um, everyone would enjoy. They can take something from it. You know, it deals with relationships. It, it deals with team. It deals with overcoming obstacles. It's deal with, you know, regarding being blessed and being fortunate. And, um, I, you know, to me, it was priceless because what it did, it gave me an opportunity to reflect 
you know, not only in my career, but to reflect back on my life and to see what I've learned, you know, uh, look at the little boy and look at the grown man now. And, you know, I've come a long ways, you know, and I'm, I'm very blessed and very thankful and very appreciative for the people that have invested their time and efforts in me, you know, so it took a lot just because I think when you, when you write a book, okay, or, or you speak out in public, um, I, think, I think of myself as being a very private person, but it, what it does is it opens you up and becomes, you become vulnerable, you know, because what you're doing is exposing your personal life to other people, you know, so, you know, I'm glad that I did it because it was priceless because I learned so much about myself in the process. Now, Richie, we're going to uh, move on a little bit here to uh, you're currently with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers last season. Yeah. What was it like, uh, obviously, having that being with the Rough Riders for so long and then, you know, with the, the Bombers, you had that rivalry. So, you know, both sides of it, of course. What was it like to win that great cup in uh, in 2019? to see, and especially again, ending a drought, uh, much like the, you did with the riders in 89. Well, it's pretty special just because, you know, the people are kind of like, very much like Saskatchewan, they're invested in the organization. You know, they're invested in their football team. They have a lot of pride and they went through a lot of drought years. You know, the, the year before we had knocked on the door, but we couldn't get in. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, at the start of the year, we started off, Five and zero, oh, and then all of a sudden we struggled, uh, but we got we regrouped just like in uh in '89 we regrouped like 2007 we regrouped and then we were able to to finish it off and just to do it for the fans for the organization uh, for the players uh, they're a very special bunch uh, they truly <coughs> loved each other they truly played for each other and. You know, there's that old cliche that you always hear about. Yeah, we're a team, we're a team. But they were truly a team uh, on and off the field. And um, it just meant a lot just because they were special, you know, and the fans deserved it. You know, the fans deserved it. And then, you know, I'm sure I'm not in Winnipeg right now, but I'm sure they're still celebrating. <laughs> I think that's uh, Chris Strevler right now. He's still uh, still celebrating. Were you able to keep up with, uh, oh, with Strev? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I just looked at him. I was just like, man, you he he was feeling no he was feeling no pain. All he had was that that fur jacket, like during the parade. That's all I remember. Just that fur jacket, and, and he enjoyed it. But but that's what it's all about, you know. It's all about having a great time, being able to accomplish something you had started out with, with your teammates, and you know, and and they showed the emotion. I mean, they loved each other and they played hard for each other. So I was very happy for him. Who wore that uh, for Jack in 89? Who, who was that guy that partied like that back in 89? Oh, gosh. There was, there was a number of people. I mean, oh, a lot of us. <laughs> a, a lot of us. It was a lot of fun. You know, it was a, it was a lot of fun. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, you know, I, I think I heard this story that, you know, Roger Aldag, he slept with the, the Grey Cup that night. You know, so there was not many people that had getting a, very much sleep. And I know... The flight back from Toronto uh, the next day um, was unbelievable. But you know what was amazing was when we landed, you know, there was nobody at the airport. The bus took us to the stadium. And here you had 17,000, 18,000 people in minus 20-something degree weather were there for us just to walk out, introduce, have the Grey Cup, and that was it. 
You know, I mean, that, that, that's pretty special, you know, and you, as a player, you had goosebumps because you felt so much love and so much appreciation by what they shown you to, to stand in those frigid cold weather, just to see the gray cup, 17,000 people. Gosh, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, crazy Saskatchewan people, crazy Saskatchewan people. See, it's like it's a bad thing. <laughs> no, no, it, it's a great thing. You know, that's what that's why coming here as an opposition. That's why that's why it's so hard to win. You know, um, I'm gonna say this word, and I know some Saskatchewan people might not like it, but you know, when you come here, you do got to play against the 13th man. You know, and that's the fans, and and, and it's hard. You know, I mean, the last uh, couple of Labor Day games, it's been unbelievable. Um, but Saskatchewan has found a way to come out on top, and those fans are a, a, a major reason why. What's more fun, being against the Riders on Labor Day or being on the Riders on Labor Day? <laughs> well, right now, being a guest. <laughs> <laughs> but, but either way, either way, winning Labor Day. <laughs> winning Labor Day. Now, Richie, a lot of, we're going to switch gears here from football and talk a little bit more of a, of a serious matter. And, and by all means, please stop us if, uh, if you want. Um, obviously, with the Black Lives Matter and all the protests, everything going on right now, especially in the United States, you grew up in Texas. What were things like for you growing up? Um, what, are, what were your experiences well, with that? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't so much I grew up in Texas. I was born in Texas, um, but my dad was in a my dad was in the military. So we lived in a lot of different places and we moved to Colorado to Denver in 73, 74, you know, so, um, you know, as far as, uh, as far as growing up in it, you know, um, I, I would say that I experienced, you know, you know, some, some prejudice, some racism, uh, more probably from a personal manner, more so than from what you say, a systematic, a perception where it's inequality, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it's really sad just, just because of the way that I was brought up, you know, and you, and you experience that as a young person, as a kid growing up, um, you don't understand, it, you know, because I think one of the, the greatest lessons that we can learn as adults is if you watch kids, you know, you go to a playground, what do you see kids doing? You see kids playing. They don't care if you're black or white. They don't care if you're a boy or a girl. They just play and have fun. And it's us people, us adults that are supposedly, you know, whether educated or, or know it all, we're the ones that bring in the racism, the inequality. And that's what's a shame that we don't learn from them. You know, and like you said, you know, what happened last week, um, all lives matter. Okay. But it's a shame um, that it takes a situation that what we saw for us to understand that there is a problem in our society, you know, and hopefully we all open our eyes, you know, because it's us against, we're, we're fighting each other and we're not going to overcome this until we as a group choose to make a decision to overcome it because we created the problem. You know, us human beings have created the problem. You know, so, <clears throat> you know, my experiences, um, I, I, I can't say they're all strophicophical, you know, whatever that word is, um, but there's 
times that I felt that it wasn't in my favor, you know, and, and, and I, and I experienced that. And, you know, especially being young, you, you try to try to get an understanding on why, you know, why am I being treated this way? Because of the color of my skin, because that's not how I was raised. And that's why I try to understand that, you know, and I still don't understand it, even though you see it every day. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Now, you, you, know, you mentioned, you, you said yourself, all lives matter. But uh, <laughs> when you hear people say that all lives matter in response to Black Lives Matter, what immediately comes to your mind? To me, it's one of those things where you say all lives matter or black lives matter, what you say and what you do is two different things, you know? And, 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 and when I hear it, I take it with a grain of salt, you know, because so many times over our society, you hear a lot of things that are being said, but you don't see it put into action, you know, cause everyone can play lip service. Okay. It's like, even now, you know, they're protesting, they're doing things. Okay. Will this continue? Okay, or will it make a change? Because if it doesn't make a change, then it comes back to what has happened over the over the last number of years. And we're saying we're gonna do something about it, we're saying we're gonna do something about it, but nothing's done. You know, but it, but it, what is nice now is like it seems like as a nation, as a society, that we're coming together. Black, white, <coughs> male, female, you know, brown, it doesn't matter. We as human beings are coming together to say, we got to stop this because it's not right. Now, Kahari Jones recently shared some letters that he received uh, during his playing days uh, that were less than friendly, obviously. Um, what, what are your thoughts and reactions when you hear of something like that? And did you experience anything like that up here in Canada? No, I can't say I, I really experienced them. As, you know, I've experienced some name calling and things of that nature, but nothing was, was there's threatening you know, or, um, you know, I wouldn't say I've received any personal letters or anything like that, but I've, you know, I've heard uh, gestures from, from people and, uh, and, it, and it hurts you, you know, because um, they don't know me, but yet they're judging me and they're saying this about me, you know, and, and again, what makes you better than me? I got two eyes, you got two eyes, you know, we're, we're human beings, you know, and, and it's a shame that that's the mindset that some people have that, you know, they're inferior and in making you, they're, they're superior making you feel inferior, you know, and, uh, you know, it's a shame that that's the state of people's minds, you know, and we gotta, we gotta change that because it's not going to get any better and it hasn't gotten any better. When you were named the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, that was your first head coaching job. Yes. But you were also the first, head coach, uh, African-American head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. Did you know that, or was that even part of your thinking at all? You were just happy to be head coach. Um, it was brought to my attention, you know, because, because I don't think about me being the first black doing this or, you know, first Afro-American. Um, I think about it as an opportunity to be a head coach. You know, this is who I am. You know, I happen to be a five-foot-six um, defensive coach, and that's it. Me being Afro-American, that's part of my makeup, you know? So uh, I think when people seem to make it a point that he's the first Afro-American, it means that that comes before of who I am regarding your qualifications. And it's not, it has nothing to do with it. 
I didn't get the job because I was Afro-American. I got the job because that's who they want to hire and they felt I was the best qualified to run the football team. Not because I was Afro-American. That just came along with the territories. So um, I didn't know it until, like I said, it was brought up to me and I'm just like, oh, okay. So what does that mean? I, I, am I supposed to be something different or something special? This, you know, so, you know, and it, it, it makes you, it makes you, it makes you wonder when people bring it up, you know, why were you hired? You know, when you start thinking about it, you know, were you hired for the, the token or were you hired because that's who they wanted for the job? You know, and, so, and for people to bring it up, my question is why? You know, it's like, it's like sometimes you hear people talk about, well, my best friend's black. What does that have to do in your best friend? That's your best friend. Why do you have to... Because what it does, it takes the, the, the attention on being your best friend or this person to be in their race. And your race has nothing to do with he's your friend, not because he's black, because he's your friend. What, then what is your opinion on the NFL's Rooney rule where they are mandating that teams got to um, at least interview a black uh, a person of color? And then they also now they're expanding that to where there's going to be draft picks involved. I mean, they're like numbers to me. You can always make numbers fit what you're trying to do. You know, uh, it's good that you get an opportunity, but why do you have to put a rule in like that to be given an opportunity? You know, and then, and then it comes back to being uh, on this side, being the minority It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and fortunate that I got the opportunity to interview, but if you get the job, am I getting a job because I'm the best qualified or or are you getting a job because they're putting a peg hole by saying, oh, we have to have so many black coaches on your team uh, in the league, you know? So it comes back to the credibility, the credibility of it, you know? So the Maroney rule, even with the rule, they skate around it, you know? So is it, again, are you getting looked at because of what you have accomplished and you have earned the right, or are you getting looked at because you fit that quota? Well, Richie, I know it's a, a very, um, it's not an easy topic to discuss. And I guess that's what's important about it is, is it's forcing society right now to, to talk about it and to address it. And uh, I know it's going to take a long time. It's not going to just, you know, happen overnight. Um, but like you right. said, it's, it's, it's taught. It's something that, uh, you know, just is, 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 is taught to children and goes from there. So hopefully... Uh, some people can learn from this and, and just, uh, we can see this end, hopefully, I mean, maybe not in a year I, or two, but you, you, just hope, you, you hope to see, you hope to see that there's some progress, you know, because, yeah. because anything to move forward, it's got to be uncomfortable. I don't care what it is. Something's got to be uncomfortable to grow. It's just a shame that it took lives for us to wake up our, to wake up and open our eyes and say, something must be done. And not with lip service, but it took someone to die on TV for us to say, whoa, now it's an issue. No, it's been an issue for so long, but we've kind of just masked it. We've, we've kind of did lip service with it. And, but hopefully what has happened over the last week, it becomes action. It becomes action. And time will tell. Time will tell. Well, Richie, thank you so much for uh, for taking time talking a little football, and of course, uh, 
talking a little bit more serious subject with us. Uh, take care. And, and again, thank you so much for your time this evening. Well, thank you. You guys stay safe. You know, the, you know, the funny thing about it is, you know, we've, we're right now in a state of extremes, you know, for so many months, all you heard about was the virus and everything. Okay. Now for the last week, it's been, you know, the riots and the, you know, his death and everything like that. It's just like, but it's nothing positive. You know, neither one's positive, you know, so hopefully we'll have something um, positive to watch, uh, positive to, to, to enjoy because, you know, as a society over the last, really this whole year, you know, it, it's been a very strenuous 2020, you know, and that's where, you know, uh, hopefully people understand how important sports are, you know, because it, sports is kind of that release. You know, I, I look at, you know, two things uh, that are common denominators to all of us, and that's athletics and music. You know, those are kind of our release where there's no pressure, there's no tension. It just, it's, it's feel good. You know, in, in sports, is, as serious as we take it, it, it's entertainment, you know, but it's for three hours, you can kick back and just, oh, cheering for your team. And, you know, you get into it because it takes you away from reality of life, you know. So hopefully uh, uh, we get that back in regarding the CFL, you know, but, but we'll see, you know, we'll see what, you know, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, you know, all these other teams um, are affected. You know, everyone's been affected. It's just not the CFL, you know. Just, so I, I, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm, you know, being optimistic and uh, very hopeful. Well, again, Richie, thank you so much. And uh, we hope that we can see you uh, this year again sometime, hopefully in Mosaic Stadium, uh, even if it is, uh, you know, just once and it's, uh, you know, with limited amount of people. But hopefully it's, uh, we do get some games this year. I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. That would be a lot of fun. You guys take care of yourselves.